You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. Jesus will stay, is staying with us. That's what this story and message is about tonight. So nice to see you all. Um, before before I get going, did anybody else run the Broad Street Run besides Jeff? <laughs> you're lying. I know Allie and Caroline back there ran it. Anybody else run it today? Well, big props to you guys. It's ten miles. Anybody was anybody out there cheering for the others? No, it does. All right. Nice. I think Alex in our congregation ran it too. That's good. Um, and the drumming group that meets and practices here, Batala, they were out there drumming, I think right by the 7-Eleven, right, Jimmy? So I felt like we were showing some support. Did you guys hear the drummers when you ran past? Nice. That was us. So I want to tell you one of my favorite stories in the Bible this evening um, and, and tell it with you some art, with, with some art through the eyes of one of my favorite painters, Henry Oswa Tanner, who is, was a black man from Philadelphia. I don't know, can you see? Am I like in front of the screen here? Can you see his painting? Um, yeah, let, and let, let me read you the scripture from, from the Gospel of Luke. Here's the story. Now, on the third day after Jesus was crucified, two of his disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with one another, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast, like all the blues in this painting. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Didn't you know the Messiah had to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said 
in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. Just like we were singing. Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks, and he broke it, and he began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. But they asked each other, weren't our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, and there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and, and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to us. And then the two told what had happened to them on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them in the breaking of bread. So I love this painting because I I think it really describes the mood of this slow walk out of the city. The two disciples are really sad and confused, maybe even hopeless. When Jesus, the stranger, joins their walk and asks them what they're talking about, they can't even find the words that Luke's account says they stood still. They just stopped walking. They stood still with their faces down. It was just too heavy. I think they were deeply disappointed. They they had some hope that Jesus would be the Redeemer of Israel and of all things, really all the terrible things that they had experienced and and that was happening around them, that Jesus would make everything better, but instead he was just crucified like this common criminal. And they don't really know what's next. They don't know what to make of, of anything, really. Their reason for being alive is kind of gone. And I think people people have felt like that. People have had good good reason to feel like that, I think, especially over the last two years. Loss and grief that there aren't any words for. Disappointment that things that you, you put your whole, and, and relationships that maybe you put your whole self into, um, fell apart. Or your job didn't work out. And it's like, what what's next? What's the what's the next move? Um, so many things have become questions. Not not as much as certain. And I think they were they were experienced kind of they were experiencing kind of a paralysis in that moment. Like they didn't know what was next. I picture them walking really slowly. They were standing still, their faces downcast. I, I felt a little bit like, I felt a little of that sense of hopelessness in the, in the courtroom this week. I was able to go, um, with our pastors led by our participatory defense hub to the, um, to support Taekwon Atkinson, who is, uh, he's 22 now, but he was 19 when he was arrested and falsely accused of the murder of a police, a high ranking police officer's son. Um, it happened down here at FDR Park. 
And um, Taekwon wasn't even there, but he got blamed for it. And he was found not guilty but, uh, this year, earlier this year, finally two, you know, two years after they held him in prison. Um, but they continue to hold him. They like, it was just heartbreaking to be there with his mom in the courtroom because they keep finding reasons, little stupid reasons why the law can, can, um, hold him in prison even without bail. And he's being harassed there. Um, spent a lot of time in solitary confinement. They often come and search his room like in the middle of the night. And I could kind of see like the systems of power in, in our justice system at, at play here. Um, and so his case is being continued for another month. We're, we're going to go back and Chris Eden, who many of you know, like leads our, our, uh, South Philly defense hub and he's, he organized a bunch of people and, um, and that was good, but um, I felt some of that hopelessness and despair. Um, the despair of his mom, not knowing how to help her son in this system that, that has already decided his fate and value. They stood still, their faces downcast. As I read the Bible story this week, I, f I found myself looking for solutions and answers and like, uh, specifics. I wanted Jesus to tell the disciples like how things were going to get better, how systems were going to change, um, how all of the reasons for despair in the world would be redeemed. I wanted Jesus to tell me how Taya Khan would get out of the system and be re reunited with his mother. I wanted Jesus to tell me how those disciples could, could, um, you know, could have been stronger in faith and had hope and um, how we could too, you know, not just walking sadly down the side of the road with our losses. And I didn't find any of those answers in the text right away, of course. But what I did find was a God who pursued them, who pursued these guys, who met them in their grief and who stayed with them. They're losing faith. They, they were ready to give up, and Jesus found them in that moment. He came to them. And we heard that their hearts burned with hope again as he showed them God's story and where it was going. And, and they recognize him not because he's doing anything supernatural, but because... Um, He's doing something as human and as regular as breaking bread. So what does this mean for us on our journey? I think, I think it first call, calls us to acknowledge the difficulties that we, that we face in life and that people around us face. We don't, we don't, we don't have to stick our heads in the sand and um, be shiny, happy Christians, whatever that is. Um, we can acknowledge the pain of the world, of, of our, our own pain and the, and 
and what it's like to live in an empire that creates systems of oppression. The status quo creates all kinds of violence and trauma. Jesus knows and he sees that. And he pursues, he pursues these guys in their grief and struggle. They, they, they have a lot to be sad about too, as we, we've been thinking a, a little bit about, um, what Jesus' people were experiencing in the Roman Empire, um, the violence and oppression that they, they have been under. I'm sure they're, they're feeling like this is just going to go on and on with no hope. We thought this guy was going to save us, and he's not. And Jesus is coming to them in their losing faith moment, acknowledging the depth of their pain. And he doesn't say, he doesn't say just get over it. He says, tell me about it. I love that. He asks questions. What are you talking about? He wants to know. And he listens, and he walks with them in their grief. That that initiative to find them in in their moment of despair, to come to them, to walk alongside them in their grief and listening, I think is so powerful. This this. This might be one of my favorite pictures of God ever, like in this in this posture of just coming alongside us in our in our grief, making space for our healing. I, I think this kind of seems like a passive Jesus move, but I think this is like the revolution. This is the work of resistance, what Jesus is doing right there. Um, because he's not just saying get over it, he's meeting them. He's making space for what they're dealing with. And I think this is, that is resistance to the death and despair that, that the empire doles out, that life can dole out, that God would come alongside us when we're ready to give up and listen and take time with us to restore our hope. I think that's what Sony's talking about when she's talking about practicing the presence of God, that we get something from beyond us. Their hearts were burning again. They felt alive again. This is the resistance to death. When they, they could see the meaning of, of his suffering and, and the purpose of it for everybody to know God and to, to live forever. And I think... They experienced that probably not through his words, but through his actual presence with them. This, his material friendship and acknowledgement and partnership on the road. So I wonder if the invitation to us is to kind of stay in it with each other like that. Um, I think this is, this is my little takeaway from the story that, that we could show up for one another in our moments of despair as as a people as a community as individuals as cells as teams um that we could show up for one another when it feels like the injustice of the world is just too much um or our own failures are too much or our questions are too unanswered having a friend ask questions and listen in that moment i think is is life-changing. It's revolutionary. 
having a community that asks questions and listens and joins with one another around big, big grief, big problems, I think is what Jesus is showing us to do. Um, here's Tanner's de- de- depiction of that moment when they asked Jesus to stay with him. You can, you can like barely see it. It's um, the nighttime is so deep. Um, but this is how Henry was describing that moment when they when they Jesus is going to keep walking and they say, "No, stay with us. Come in for a meal." Um, in all of their uncertainty and grief, and Jesus stays with them, and they recognize him in the humanness of sharing some food. So Jesus invites us to keep sharing that meal, and we're going to have an opportunity to do that do that with each other tonight. And I, I hope, um, I don't know if we'll do communion every week, like from now until forever, but like I don't even want to stop doing it because I think it is... It is a, um, a powerful symbol of the way that we're invited to take this life in, like in an embodied way. And the promise of it connecting us with God and each other is something we have to keep um, wondering about. Jesus wants to keep giving us what we need to resist oppression and despair. The world will give us lots of reasons to want to give up. But Jesus is trying to feed us something else. So as we sing a few more songs, I want to invite you to go over to the table here and receive this meal. Um, In these COVID times where we keep doing it with the little juice and the little wafers there on top. Um, But take it as a meal from Jesus, a symbol of Christ in you, and you in God, something that nobody, no human being, no power and principality can change. And as you come to the table, if you want to, notice each other. Um, Notice each other as we come up and receive the meal. Um, There are people here that are with you on this faith journey. Even if you're brand new or we're just getting to know each other, um, there are people here that are with you on this journey of faith. You are not alone. We are not alone. Even when we feel lost, God comes to find us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the, um, the demonstration of your presence um, your resistance to death, your resistance to the to despair and and giving up, but your very real acknowledgement of grief and injustice and and all that we face in this world. Feed us, feed us, Lord, with something new. Give us the gift of yourself and help help us to receive you again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.